This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Sanchez, young and fashionable in there. And Sanchez was in there. And took over Wimbledon. Laurie Sanchez. Off oh, the bar. And he's Welcome to the One Was Had a Dream podcast, a podcast by the fans, for the fans. This is a very exciting episode. Part one, Lee is still ill. The excitement continues. The fantasy, the, the phantom cough has got worse. He still can't talk. So we've been bailed out from another episode of unwitty faux pas, if you like. But I am being joined with to Sterling chat, well, one Sterling chat, one absolute geezer. The referee geezer is here. He'll be talking about his wonderful channel. I'm also talking to a what can be described from the fans' football team as an absolutely adequate squad member. Um, I've got Owen Williams, who st- stands normally just a couple of seats, just far enough away that he doesn't hear my dad banging on the back of the stand, but close enough that we can, <laughs> or close <laughs> enough that we can enjoy some uh, witty repartee. But um, I wanted to ask you guys, I booked in to the stadium tour at Plough Lane. Um, quick question, best stadium tour that you've been on? How, let's start with Owen. Owen, have you been on a stadium tour? Have you been on the Plough Lane tour? And what's the best that you've been on? You should have warned me about this, Danny. No, I've never been on a stadium tour. You've never been on one? No. See, that is, uh, uh, this is disgraceful. I mean, I, I've been on, I went to the Bernabeu. In Real Madrid, which was a great tour, by the way. Um, obviously, being a huge cricket fan, I went on the one at Lords, which is excellent, and the Oval, which are two stunning ones. And then I went on the Stag Do to Newcastle, which the night was better than the day, shall we say? It's kind of one of them bizarre places where who you saw in the night, you kind of end up seeing in a really horrendous place in the day, normally at McDonald's or just in the layby somewhere. Um, not that they got murdered. I'm just going to make that very, very clear. Newcastle isn't as bad as that. Um, but yeah, but I'm booked into the tour tomorrow. I don't know who I've got. I don't know who the tour guide is. And who who knows? Maybe they are listening right now. But Refugeezer, stadium tours, 
you must have been on a stag deal or something. Come on. <laughs> do you know what? Um, I actually have a bit of a stag I could say my local Sunday league team down in Ashford. What? Oh, down in what? <laughs> Ashford, Ashford, Middlesex, Ashford, Ken. Um, Middlesex, Middlesex. Oh, yeah, it got me very, very hot. On that, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, looking forward to that. It's been a, it's been a, a weird and wonderful week, if you like, for for us Dons fans. Let's just let's not muck about. Let's just get straight on the onto Barrow and Accrington. I guess I mean over to you. Barrow at home, pretty bloody marvellous, wasn't it? It was far better than I expected. We we played really well. We were very good for the first half hour at least. I was a bit disappointed by them, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because Barrow sort of came with his reputation and obviously got the manager used to be at Oldham and they seem to have some really good energy. And I, they weren't, I didn't think they were brilliant, to be honest. No, they didn't seem to have much idea going forward. They, yeah, they didn't put us under any pressure at all. I thought we probably should have scored a few more. I thought uh, we might get onto it later, but I thought Josh Kelly was really unlucky with, with two of his one-on-ones. The keeper made a couple of really good saves. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he he actually did make some good saves. Um, Refugeeza, what did you make of our northern friends from Barrow? What did you make of them? I, I was quite disappointed, to be honest. I was expecting a lot more. Or someone yeah. who's battling for automatic promotion, they really didn't bring much. It it was honestly like, um, I thought they were in a similar position to us Yeah. Um, when I was watching the game with the how they were performing. And I look on the table again and I'm like, I get reminded that they're in automatic promotion. Well, I think after the game, they were just below it, but yeah. they were pretty much contenders for automatic promotion. I was like, what? I mean, did you feel like, did, was it because we were we were good and we just outplayed them? Or did you feel like maybe they were poor? I mean, I, I thought we were decent. I felt, I felt we, we kind of kept things quite simple. I felt Kelly was decent, I think, for a home debut. I guess it's one of them difficult ones when you're replacing someone as good as uh, as Ali Alhamidi that you kind of feel like he, he's got to start the game and and run from all all sort of guns blowing from the start. But what did you make? Um, what did you make of his home debut? Well, Kelly, do you know what? Even considering the performance he gave in Acton, I know we're talking about Barrow. He did have a good performance against Barrow, and it was good signs. But in my personal opinion, if we're signing someone to a new striker, replacement striker for a second half season to get us into the playoffs. I personally think as great of a player he can become, Josh Kelly yeah. was the wrong person because we can't just sign a non-league striker and expect him to do a big job in um, in the actual professional leagues. I think you could kind of some, like see it with his positioning. It's a bit off um, at certain points. I saw it mm-hmm. a lot in Um But in Barrow, like, he couldn't, and it was it was clear that there was a massive gap between him and Alhamdi. Our players are used to just um, feeding lazy balls into Hamadi and letting him do something with it. With Kelly, it's a bit different. He's just come from non-league, and I feel like he just needs to get used to the team more. Yes, I would love to have him for Asia because I see I see a lot of quality in him, but I feel like we kind of missed the mark in not signing someone who's been proven to get them goals and to get us into that playoff position. He's, I mean, definitely, you, one, he's definitely one for the future rather than one that looks like he's going to hit the ground running and be a, yeah. be a, be a 10, 50, 10 goals before the end of the season. I can't see him doing that. But I, he's... I, I, I'm struggling to disagree with either of you. I think the challenge, obviously, like you said, is, and again, I've spoken about the difference between how much Ali's actually worth and how much is he worth to us. 
and the fact of 1.75 from a with extra bits and pieces is probably his football worth. But to replace the goals, the sheer threat, the fact that let's be blunt, our whole team basically, as you said, refugees, you just you, you hit the ball through and he just chases it and he just turns lazy balls into something, throw-ins into corners. Um, I just, I guess for me, and again, it is really, really early and it is really wrong of us to kind of slaughter him, but I found that he was a little bit, particularly over the two games, a little bit hiding and particularly where, you know, Ali would kind of run in front of defenders, Kelly would run behind and rather than showing just a bit deeper or turning and wanting to play, he was looking to lay off. But as you said, Owen, um, two really, really good saves from the keeper. I think it's just that, I guess it's that delicate balance between the surefire striker that we probably would have wanted to buy to get us promoted. I, I, I just don't know who they are and how much they are. And I wonder whether they looked at it and gone Kelly longer term. Um, what did you make of Curtis though? What, do we feel that Curtis is maybe the yin of the yang? Before we go on, the thing I noticed with Josh was that whereas Ali was really, really good at putting the defenders under pressure, yeah, and working with Omar to win the ball back. He didn't. He hasn't got that yet. No, he hasn't okay. Got well, that team structure yet to do that. Well, let's let's elaborate then. How are we going forward then? If if Josh Kelly is not Ali Alhamdi, how are we going to get? Because I think this is actually the core of both games. Right? Is that I think that, and again, I'll just be blunt. Ethan Barmer, I think, has come in and been quite good. But I feel that the long throw is both an absolute nemesis as much as it is a positive on the fact that any time we get the ball in the corner, any time we're anywhere near the half, rather than let's throw it short, let's get the ball down and start playing, we've kind of almost decided that we're just going to go route one. Um, Accrington, as an example, um, was literally just a long throw-a-thon. He just literally got it. It was constantly long throws. And when we actually shortened the game up, we were better. I guess the challenge I've got is... How are we as a team going to react? Can we play in the same way without Ali? And if we can't, how are we going to get ourselves in the form to be promoted? Refugees, how are we going to get ourselves into the playoffs now? Well, to start with what you initially said about Barman's long throws, um, I feel like, and this will tie into how we're going to get into playoffs, I think when it came to Appleton, we were sticking... Um, I uploaded these two lads doing the interview and what they said was absolutely correct. We stuck to these long balls and these long throw-ins, right, against a team who were like double or height. All the players were, to say the least, but they were really tall. And we didn't have the height to win them balls. We were never winning them balls. And my issue is with Johnny Jackson, he does not take risks. He just stuck to that tactic throughout the game. He didn't yeah. change it at all. He didn't want to do anything different. We were just feeding them long, long balls and everything. And I feel like we're becoming too reliant, like you said, on Barmer's throwings, um, even when we're not winning the ball. I'm pretty sure in the past two games, in all them long throws, I don't think we've won the ball once in the box. <laughs> and I feel like this is where we need to stick to, because when we play the ball on the floor, we are absolutely amazing. Yeah. I feel like if we keep playing the ball on the floor in every game from now to the end of the season, even at times if it doesn't work, we could actually make playoffs. I think that's where our biggest quality is. You've got so many good players who are good on the ball with their feet. Kelly, when he receives the ball, he could do quick turns. But we're just feeding him long balls that he can't do anything with and lazy balls. And we're not, apart from Bugio, our team's not that big, apart from Bugio and Barmer. Um, I think we just need to keep up. 
floor, to be honest. And if we keep doing this long ball rubbish and this um, hoofs route one, it's not going to work. Owen? I'm, I'm hoping you're right with the long throws. I think I ho- I'm hoping it's the management. You've got a new toy and they want to try the long throw and see what happens. But we've got no height in the team. If you, if if it, our first choice eleven, we'd have the two centre backs who are tall and Boogle. Now, if one of the centre backs is taking the throw, you've got two targets to aim at, and that's just not, as you said, refugee. In in these in this league, two people to aim at is just not going to work. I just I, I find it really strange because, obviously, the last two away games, Bradford and Accrington, I feel like the pitches weren't. I mean, again, I wasn't at Accrington, so. I, I saw it, but I wasn't there. I find that when we're at home, and maybe this is the difference between our home and away form, I feel that perhaps at home we seem to want to play more. We want to get the ball down and play. And this is where it's kind of, we'll talk a little bit about social media and, and fans in general, because the way we, we've been speaking in general has been quite, you know, sort of Damocles and the world's rubbish. Yet we beat third place. We absolutely battered Barrow at home. And I guess we, it's very easy just to look at the last game with Accrington and go, what the hell? And to be blunt, for those who didn't watch Accrington, um, two good goals, two long shots, and the rest of the game was a bit of a, well, to say the least, damp is definitely probably the one word. It was absolutely chucking it down. Um, so I, it, I guess it's just one of those questions of to get into the playoffs. Well, firstly, I'm, not, I'm still not convinced we'll get there. And I think that's a, the shame I have is I felt with Ali, I think we're in. I think we he would have created enough, hassled enough, and created enough chances to to get us there. Not necessarily scoring goals, but the setup play and everything else. I just felt that selling him and replacing him with with Kelly, it's as you said, refugees. It's going to take time to get settled. It's going to get time to get in the game. The only caveat I've said, and I'll be interested from you two perspective, um, Ronan Curtis, if he gets fit is outrageous for this level. The question is, I guess, is is he going to be fit enough to do that? And have you seen enough to see already? I know he scored the winner against Mansfield, scored against Barrow. I'll speak to you, Owen. Does he offer enough wide to offer us the way that we want to play enough quality to win games? Or do we need to think about the potentially the way that we play to support him more? I think you're right. I think we need to work a way of getting him in into a playing style. I don't think he's your bog-standard winger that's going to go around, beat a defender and put a cross in. I think he's more interested in scoring than he is about supplying. And I think we just have to work that into our our team setup and structure. But do you feel, though, on, on that point, though, that Tilly, um, Lemony Evans, they weren't necessarily those kind of players. They, were caught, they weren't your bog-standard winger. The fact that both wingers always... For some reason, it's my bugbear, Johnny Jackson. Why don't you just occasionally change the winger over? Like he puts Tilly to always cut in, which is great, and he hits a shot, and it's all lovely. But I, do, I wish he would move it around. But I wonder whether I just feel for me, Kelly is going to struggle on his own up the top. Bugiel has been outrageous, I think, playing as that deeper ten running onto the ball. So I'm kind of loath to change that round. But I wonder whether we would benefit. Kelly playing up front with a slightly more, um, maybe Boogie a bit higher. Curtis playing behind where he's almost on the ball as a playmaker. And then you can play more of a, more of a three, if you like, where you could play Tilly, you could play little at the moment and you could play either another ball or somebody else. Or is that just going to cock us up? 
I mean, what do you think, refugees? Do you think we we can get promoted with Curtis, who, to be honest, she's probably going to play on the on what we think is the left now coming in. Have we got enough about us for that to to get us up, or have we got to change what we do? Look, when it comes to Curtis, and you mentioned it with Connor Evans, I feel like the difference between better two is that Connor Evans, every time he was on the pitch, he had a big presence on that pitch. You knew he was on the pitch. Every time he would be there, he would get the ball, he would do something. Even though he didn't take much players on, he was always there in the right positions and always getting those crucial passes. In. Or that, that his end product was amazing. And that's what I liked about him. With Curtis, he's just getting back into it. He, he doesn't have that presence. I saw it in... Yes, he got them goals, but for me, he doesn't have that presence. Most of the time, you're forgetting he's on the pitch for me. And I I think that's where there's a massive difference. Yes, we can put him um, more up there um, in the role you uh, mentioned, but I think he it's not it's not really good mixing him, mixing him around in different positions when he can't even perfect his main position just yet. I feel like, um, in my personal opinion, in general, we... We sign too many players who are good for the future, or who are okay. good once they get used to the pitch, or once they get used to playing um, proper, proper football. And what have you guys made of um, Barmer? Obviously, come in big centre back. We've lost Lewis and Johnson, which are two for me, and I'd be very, very bold. I think as a centre back pairing, I think they're probably one of the best that we've had in the football league. To be honest, I know we had Robinson and we had. Darius Charles, and I think they are big fan favourites. But the way that Johnson, the way that Lewis played, I thought was exceptional. But I think Barmer's not done anything wrong at all. And in fact, him and Brown, who anyone who listens to this knows I'm not exactly the, let's just say I'm not I'm not the chairman of the Lee Brown club, if you like, the <laughs> Lee, Lee Brown fan club. Um, Owen, how do you feel? How has Brown and Barmer been? And is there any legs in that, or is it a case of right? Thanks ever so much, Pierce, Kalambai, whoever. Where, where are you? Well, there's, there's certainly no legs in one of that pair. <laughs> <laughs> I think to I share your views on Lee Brown, and frankly, anyone that comes in from a youth t- a Premier League under twenty one team and keeps two clean sheets playing alongside Lee Brown, brilliant. It's amazing. But it's weird though because Brown I d- I hasn't been how he... terrible, is he? No, he hasn't. He hasn't. And I don't know whether that's the opposition that we've played or whether he's actually focused on and Barmer is helping him. I'm not sure. But they they looked really secure on Saturday yeah. against against Cole Stockton, who's, who we know is more than decent at League Two level. Yeah, which is which is quite a surprise. I, I never thought I'd say Lee Brown and secure were kind of two words that naturally sort of live with each other. Um and I, th- I think, I think, but that, I think that is the interesting one. Is and I think that also helps with Oggs. I think I'm a massive Husbiller fan. I, I don't know about you two, but I think he is fantastic. He, there's no argument. He had an absolute shocker against MK, and he didn't have a great game against Peterborough. And rightly, with all good squads, there are going to be days. There are going to be weeks that you're not playing so well. And I feel like, particularly when you look at Accrington and Barrow, it was exactly like a horses for courses. I think that with Brown and Barmer, having Oggs in there just creates a bit more of a solid four. But we desperately missed Accrington Biller. We just desperately missed the whole game going up 
when you've got Curry and Biller, the whole game moves up 10 yards and you almost play with two wingers a lot of the time. And I just feel like we really, really missed in those tight games, in those can we nick it, which Accrington, to be blunt, was a 50-50 game, really. They were pretty average. We weren't brilliant. We weren't creating much. I just felt we really missed a bit of intensity that Villa gives us. But I guess the question is, moving forward, do you go for the sort of more dependable, I understand him, Og, or do you go with, no, nah, fuck this, we're going to go and win a game of football, let's play Villa. Refugees, are, where are you at? You know, I had a big smile on my face when he said that about Villa. Every time people... He's brilliant, isn't he? He's just brilliant, but he just had two absolutely horrible games. Exactly. And the thing is, I get so many fans come up to me and go, oh, Ogundiri is so much better. I'd much rather start Ogundiri. I'm just thinking, hold on, two seconds ago, you said you want to stop playing Route 1 football. The problem with Ogundiri is, yes, he's a quality defender. If it, When it comes to defending, just straight defending, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll trust Ogundiri in my life. But with Hassan Bila, when he goes forward, people don't understand the difference it actually makes. He knows what to do when going up forward. He can get them balls in. Um, his crossing, uh, people forget how good little things like his crossing is. And every time he gets the ball, he knows how to take on wingers. He knows how to take on the fullbacks off the overlaps. He can do all these things. Ogundiri can't. And when we want to play it on the floor, Bila, oh, he, he's amazing. But obviously he had, he had a stinker against um, MK and the game before that. But Peter I think the difference... With Bila, he brings, for me, he brings more up front. Yes, Ogunduri will be a great super sub to hold the game, in my opinion. Bila has to start for me. If Owen, you wanna... where, are you, where, where, where do you sit with the Ogundir bila debate? I agree with both of you. The, ups, <laughs> the upside, the, sorry, no, no controversy no, here. The, up, the, upside, so the upside with Bila is, is so much more than it is with Ogs. Oggs is safe and probably won't make as many obvious errors defensively. He still makes errors and he, he, he often lets the wingers come on to him, whereas Huss will close down and try and be more aggressive in his defending. And that irritates me a bit about Oggs. But Bill, uh, same Biller, he does have that odd rush, rush of blood to the head. And we saw that at, at, in Buckinghamshire and once earlier in the season as well. Yeah, well, I would. I would much rather have him in the team than uh, than Oggs. Do you know what, lads? I think the thing for me, and I'm not just saying it because because we're obviously mates now, um, mm. is that I just feel if we're going to be promoted, we've got to be a bit more aggressive in terms of the way that we're picking our team, our subs. Jackson, by the way, I think Jackson's had a really good year. No, no, no argument. I think he's had a good year compared to the absolute shambles that we had. But if we are going to genuinely get promoted or people have got any ideas of playoffs, I think we've got to be a bit more braver with our selections, with our subs. Um, again, Accrington being a goal down, taking off Boogie or Fapel, what, what are we doing? Like we're just, it just seemed to be a difficult situation. And I think for me, and again, it's difficult because I think Barrow, he was solid and he, he played well. And, and we at home seem to, to play well. But I just feel like if we're gonna, if we're generally got, and I don't, by the way, and that sounds a bit controversial. I don't really care to be honest with you. I'd like, everyone likes to go up, and it's part of football. But I feel like next year we're gonna have an absolutely gun team if things go to play. If people put pen to paper, I think our next year's team could be even better. 
And I think there's less gaps actually in the summer than there are now to fill. And I think that for me, longer term, considering we've had a decade of watching rubbish, and I've been literally watching rubbish next to you over the last decade, of watching us losing games. Can we, being desperate, can we nick a 1-1 against Fleetwood? I mean, come on, we've got to want to aspire to win games to be competitive. And I just, I feel like if we're going to go up, we need to be brave off the pitch and on the pitch. And I feel like for all of Biller's inconsistencies and downsides, I feel like maybe that's going to be the bit that whether we get there or not. But am I, am I barking up the wrong tree or am I, or am I onto something? Owen, am I onto something? I think you are onto something, but I'm not sure Jackson is the manager for that kind of risk-taking. Do you not think now, though, that he's had this contract that maybe he is? Maybe the fact that he's now... And again, this is the challenge I had last no, year. No, I don't. That, you don't think he is? I think it's inbuilt in his... He play if, if he could play the same 11 every game through the season, he would play the same 11 every game through the season. So you're refugees, you're nodding. Come on, justify, justif- justify yourself. <laughs> no, honestly, I completely agree with Owen. I mean, look, Johnny Jackson, how many games has there been this season where we bottled a lead or where we've, against Acton when we lost 4 2 at home? He didn't make any changes that game. We could have actually come back, but he didn't make any changes that game. And it was really annoying to see. And I feel like he just hesitates a lot to make a lot of decisions. In Accrington, Fair enough. He made he made subs. He made all the subs he could make. But at the end of the day, with Johnny Jackson, how long has it taken for him to finally figure out that you know what? When you're losing a game, you need to make subs. How many times has it been in the season where we need a desperate super subs, desperate super subs? He waits till the 80th or 90th to make them. I have not seen at one point in the season where he's changed the tactic in the game. It's been the same tactic. No matter if we're Two no down, three no down, same bog standard tactic. He doesn't change it. He doesn't change it at all at half time. I'm actually interested to see what he says to these players at half time. Because he might just be saying, Oh, go on, lads, carry on doing what you just did out there when they're four no down in the first half. <laughs> I mean, what we need is we need someone who gets into sort of like, you know, does TikToks, does sort of like creation, has a microphone, needs to probably sort of go into the changing room and like, and like shake <laughs> it up. But I feel like we're drifting into a Johnny Jackson chat. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a little pause. Uh, and when we come back, we are going to talk about Johnny Jackson. We're going to talk a little bit about whether, where we're at in terms of a group, where we're at as a club, where we're at as a squad, where he is at. And we might chuck in some social media chat as well. So uh, hold tight. The Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. Okay. And we're back. Welcome back to the Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. Refugees are nearly trying to jump in, not having that kind of nonsense in my podcast, young man. But you did touch on something about Johnny Jackson. So I'm going to quickly go around in one word about whether you're happy or whether you feel that Johnny Jackson has earned his contract. And then we're going to come to you. So, um, Owen, in a word, Johnny Jackson signing the contract. Earned it, not earned it, happy or not happy. One word. That's all it is. I've built it up. I'm expecting a word. Go. Okay. Okay. That was very, very middle of the road. I'm yes. Refugees, you've got the passion about this. Hit me with it. Where are you at with him? I not earned it. Um, so you're it. a no? No, because I... Oh, we're, we're on the scale. We've got yes, no, and maybe. This is sensational podding. No, honestly, 
I don't want to disregard anything because I, I feel like I've been a bit mean. I don't want no, to no, you, this is the platform to say what you say. Go on, hit me with it. No, no, because to get us from where we are now, from where we were last season, it's a bloody great achievement. And yeah. I respect them for that. And the shambles of squad was last season to get it to where it was now. So a great achievement. But for me, I see a lot more in the squad. And I think I've seen errors that are sticking with Johnny Jackson and he's not really um, changing. I personally, okay. if I was the chairman board, um, I would have gone, you know what, or Craig Cope, I've gone, you know what, I'll give you to the end of the season. Where would you finish at the end of the season? If you finish in the top 10, I'll give you a new contract. If you finish outside the top 10, no contract. And that's what I've done personally. Okay. Owen? I I can see the logic behind giving him a, con- a new contract because he, he can then work on signings and go, look, this is how it is. Boogs, little, I want you to stay. I can see that logic. But given the squad that we've had, I don't. I think he's achieved what we should have achieved with that squad. I don't think he's added much more to it tactically. Um, we, we've got we had the best striker in the league by a distance, uh, playing up front. We've got a League One probably standard keeper, League One standard centre back, two really good centre midfielders. We sh- we should be in and around the edge of the playoffs minimum with that squad. And I, I mean, think there are a few games that we've underperformed that I've seen, and I haven't been to many away games. And I'm sure there's I mean, a few more where we've underperformed as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm the other end of the scale. In fact, that I think that what he's done is is fair, as you guys have, have mentioned as well. The fact that, I mean, let's be honest, last season was, was desperate. And to be blunt, if we went back in time to end of the season, I would still be sacking Jackson, just to be clear, because it was so rubbish last year my my main thing the little birdie on my shoulder that keeps talking to me and it should get rid of it really is the fact of how much of what we have got as a squad is Jackson and how much of it is Cope because it's not a surprise that since Cope has sort of come in we have really kicked on with our signings the fact that you know people like Ronan Curtis and and uh, you know Joe Lewis would we have necessarily had those opportunities if Jackson was in play. Don't I, I don't know. Tactically, I share your challenge. And to be honest, I don't think there's many Dons fans out there who don't share the frustrations with the subs. I'm still a bit baffled as a Euro geezer about it's almost a generic, right, okay, well, he goes off for him. One of the other lads I speak to a lot, it talks about why can't we make a sub that changes something rather than just going like for like, like Accrington. Take Boogie off, put Pell, same position. What are we doing? We'll take um, this player off and we'll put him on the wing. Exactly the same as what we've been doing for the last 80 minutes. How about, I mean, as example, I was amazed we took took Kelly off on Tuesday for Davison. Like, play them both. We're 2-0 down. Chuck something. Do something different. Try something different. I'm not a big Davison fan, by the way. I'm sure if you listen to this, you definitely know I'm... I think he works hard, but I, I think he lacks real quality. But I do wonder whether or not just doing something different would endear him to the fan base. But I guess when you look at it, I mean, wh- where are you at, Refugees? Do you feel like his saving grace has been the signings or has he tactically improved? And if it is just on the signings, is it are we masking 
Johnny Jackson success because we just got a really good recruitment guy. You know, it's interesting you brought that up because like, now I look at it and I go, you know what? Most of the signings we made that have been Craig Cope. It hasn't been Johnny Jackson. One thing I would give in Johnny Jackson, he has improved, but very, very marginally. Very marginally. And it's scarily marginally to a point where I'm thinking, there's managers out there who could just get you results with this squad. And like you said, like for like, it's like Johnny Jackson is getting all his tactics and all his knowledge from FIFA career mode. They doing the like like for like, like for like, yeah. And playing the game, resting players. Like honestly, just change the tactic. I like honestly, if he should get a book, because I know there's loads of books out there. And he should read these books and go, Do you know what? There's a reason why these managers are where they are. It's because we don't make I can admit they're wrong and just go, Do you know what? I want to change this player for that player and get him to play a different role. That's what he's not doing. He's just changing the player for player, not playing a different role. Because that role is not working. That's why you're bringing the player off. But, I mean, I, I, honestly, I think genuinely our tactics, is his tactics are going to be the death for us. And Owen, what, where do you sit in terms of, obviously, we've spoken a little bit about the tactical awareness. Is, the, is there always a damage, though, that we've, we've been rubbish for a decade? We've finally got an OK team with a manager that people seem to want to play for. If if the rumours and it is very broad rumours, rumours are the fact of Little and Boogie would like to sign, but they want to work out whether Jackson's in or not. And if they if 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 by signing Jackson means that we keep Boogie or Little, is it has that kind of justified the means to an end? If you like, I think you've probably hit the nail on the head. <clears throat> the players really really like him, from what I've seen and heard. Um, and they are very, very willing to play for him and happy playing for him. And I think that is as much the reason as as anything that's happened on the pitch. I'm, going I mean, back to last, yeah. going well, back to last year, I think that I can see why he was reluctant to make subs because you look look what we had on the bench last year, and it was it was kids. And you think oh, nothing's going to change if I do. There's no one on there that can change the game. Whereas this year, our squad is so much better. There are people that can make a difference and there are people that can play in multiple different positions. And I share your your frustrations when, when Pell comes on. Pell's offers very, very little now unless we're holding the ball in the corner and we're trying to wind people up. Progressively, I mean, yeah. going forward, I don't think he offers a great deal. And when he comes on as a swap for Bugle, it's it's a real downgrade. Yeah, unfortunately. And I have the same problem with Davison. I feel like Davison is fantastic if you're 2-0 up. If you're 1-0 or 2-0 up, and let's keep the ball, let's run in the corner, let's go mental, let's press. Davison's your man. If you want a goal, I don't ever go, Josh Davison's coming on. We've now increased our goal threat. I just, I just don't see it. And I think moving forward, that will be a really big summer conversation for that group regarding having Kelly, having Bugiel, having Davison. We're going to need a big striker. We're going to need someone to come in and rattle the cage a bit. And I don't, I just don't feel like Pell is that player. And I, but mind you, I don't know where to play. To be fair, I love him as a bloke. I think he's got qualities in terms of right. Go up, go and upset some people. Go and do a bit of diving. Go and he's all arms and legs. He's like some sort of praying mantis everywhere. I quite enjoy watching the madness of him. The madness of Harry Pell sounds like some sort of Shakespeare play. Um, but it just, yeah, I'm just. I guess I guess the proof will be in the pudding, but from your perspective then, to, to justify, it seems like you're probably both in agreement, to justify 
Jackson continuing the, the Wimbledon project, we you're basically both saying we've got to be basically right on the borders, if not in the playoffs. Is that fair? This year? Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think we should be in the playoff mix in the last few weeks of the season. If, as, if in, we don't, as in get, trying to get into the playoffs. Like if we don't in. get in the playoffs, would that mean that we failed or he has failed if we don't get in the playoffs? If he's ninth, is that the fact that we were 21st now and ninth, is that enough or not? It, it's a tough one for me. Okay. Because you can't, because when we really look on paper, we ended the season at 21st. Uh, not 21st. Sorry. We ended the season at 20th. Was it 20th or 19th? Could be anything. I mean, anything we're going for two is a shocker, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's still shocking. But, and we come in to this season and we'll say he finishes the mind. It's outside the playoffs. There's no denying that whatever project he has on paper, it looks like it is going well. Um, and maybe we're just being a bit too harsh. But in my personal opinion, when I see his game management, his tactics, for me, I don't know. I it'll be very interesting because he has signed a new deal. We'll definitely have him next season, no matter what happens. Um, be very interesting to see what happens next season. And for me, the deciding factor would be the ne- five opening games he has next season. If he underperforms the team and fails the team in those first five games, I feel like Craig Cope should just go out his way to second because then we'll, I'll know how the rest of the season is going to go. With okay. Owen, are you sharing that sentiment? I think we should be minimum aiming at playoffs and above for next season. Yeah. Having given him the contract, that should be what we're aiming at. And I think the league next year might be slightly easier. I don't think, I think this year we've got the money I mean, of Wrexham, the money yeah. of Stockport. Yeah. There's quite next a lot. Next year, there is going to be some, you'd like to think, I mean, Chesterfield should come up and be decent, but whoever else comes up is going to be. Could be Bromley, Altringhams, that lot. And when you look at coming down, you're talking about the Fleetwoods, Cheltenhams. I mean, there isn't huge people or teams coming down and you're thinking, oh my God, they're going to come and absolutely chuck some money at it. Yeah. Mind you, Chal- Charlton. We could have Charlton, man. Sheesh. Um, I, I guess the, th- the other side of the coin, though, and I think this is the reason why I feel quite excited as a group is, and I'm interested in your guys from a squad perspective, if we do sign Boogie or Little, then we'll, we'll, we'll basically, in my opinion, in the summer, and you guys can tell me I'm wrong, I think we'll lose Pierce. I think Pierce is a lot of money. I think he'll, that'll be him. I sadly think that, that Pell will go as well because I think his contract will be up. And I just I don't know where. I think he's a really good signing for Grimsby or Colchester. I think he's a good signing for someone bottom end slash promotion looking conference who wants someone with a bit of experience. I think we'll lose Brown. Obviously, Nightingale, Robinson. There's going to be a decent war chest, you'd think, for players, particularly as well, let's be honest. I mean, we'll be mad if we don't think Curry's going to go in the summer. Curry's going to get sold in the summer. He has to, really, if we're going to balance the financials of it. I, I think with the squad, if we do keep a baseline of we're going to need to sign a keeper, I think the loan keeper move is the way to go. I, I just feel like Bass has been great. Zanev, thank you. You, you did your bit, and, and I'm, I'll, I'll praise him for that. But we just this has been just a step up for me, particularly distributing the ball. But if you think next year we could have Biller, Lewis, Johnson, Reeves, Little, 
Curtis will be gone, but you would have Tilly do it on one wing. Potentially, you could have um, Nerfil on the other with Bugiel plus a striker of, of Kelly or somebody else. Plus that money that's left. I feel that there's a decent war chest. So where do you see those kind of players? Is uh, anyone here feel like there's any of that old guard will stay? Has Brown done enough to earn a gig? I mean, refugees, what do you think? Do you feel like losing those players is going to actually negatively impact the squad because they're experienced? Where are you at with us as a squad? Not at all. I mean, look, you can do experience, but at the end of the day, Lee Brown, how many times does he lose his head in the game? How many times does Harry Powell lose his head in the game? I feel like a lot of these players are dead weight. Um, when I look on the bench sometimes, you see these same players. Pell, he's not going to make a difference when he comes on. Davidson, he's not going to make a difference when he comes on. Neufeld, I'm, I'm a very critical of Neufeld personally. I think mm-hmm. if he does the game, it's just run and nothing else. Um, he gets the ball, just run it down the line, and that's his job done. Um, Zanev, dead weight. And um, who was the other one? Yes. Yes, yes. All dead weight. These are five players. And that this is pretty much our bench. Our bench is looking horrid. We. Even if Julian Jackson like, makes it up, yeah, the players we bring on, they're, they're not that good. Lee Brown, he's not, in my personal opinion, I think he's board, um, top half conference level. Pierce, I think he's bottom half conference level. Pell, um, like you said, I think he's for bottom half of the early two level. And I feel like we need to get rid of some of this dead weight. and offload. So you're not keeping any of them at all? No, not at all. Owen, what are you doing? Are you... Have we and the refugees have been harsh? Do we need to keep one for a bit of solidity and a bit of experience? Or is it a case of, no thanks, they're all on decent wages, we'll freshen up? Assuming their contracts all run out, I would say goodbye to all of them. Because you're right, there's a there's a lot of money invested there that we could use far better. Uh, and I think the experience thing, as long as Reeves is around, he runs the show. We've talked about this before. He runs the show when he's when he's playing, he is a, he's like a manager on the pitch. He directs, he organises, he cajoles people, he talks to people. He's the, all the experience we need. And Lewis and um, Johnson at the back, they've been as good in terms of organising. So I don't think we need, whereas a couple of years ago, we desperately needed that experience. Now I think we're, we're covered. So all those, all those older gentlemen in the squad, I'd be quite happy to... Uh, to see depart. And do you, I mean, feel like if we lose that, those four or five experience, and I'm, by the way, we've said Nightingale, Robinson, Calumbay is drifting into that category, unfortunately, as well, a little bit. Um, do you feel, last question on the squad thing, is do you feel like we need to replace them with experienced players? Do we need to go out early and get a, another Reeves-type player who's going to give us experience? Or is it just a question of, no, we're going to go young and... I mean, let's be honest, our our categories are basically young and very hungry, i.e. non-league, or they haven't really had a gig somewhere or they've been released and we're going to pick them up, or it's 30-plus. I wouldn't say they're on... No, I wouldn't say they're on the demise, but they're in a slightly different place in their careers. Um, when we are thinking about the summer with the squad that we potentially have... What? Where is the majority of our money going to be spent? You think? That's a good question. Yeah, that's why I'm here. That's why. I, that's why. How I roll. You surprised me with that, Daniel. <laughs> um, 
Wellington, Wellington Grammar School educated, mate. This is how we, this I, how we roll. I think central midfield, if we keep Little, so we'll have Reeves, Little, Ball and Morgan Williams. Yeah. I think we're well covered. Okay. Uh, I'd like to see Morgan Williams get a bit more game time. I'm not entirely sure what the plan has been with him. Because yeah. he had that little loan at Woking and he's come back and he's not playing. No, agreed. Which is a bit weird. Um, we probably need a bit more cover at centre-back. So that is, at the moment, we'd have Assuming Johnson, Pierce, Pierce, Brown, etc. All, all depart. And Nightingale and, and, and potentially Kalambay if you really want to be bold. I mean, Kalambay probably gets some extenuating factors and obviously we've got the young lad Sutcliffe who's gone out on loan but you'd think yeah there's probably a centre-back potentially I wouldn't say a st- it's so difficult though. if you're not going to pick someone to start I mean Barmer has been on loan he's at Palace but whether he'll I don't I mean he'd probably fit the bill okay um, yeah okay so you reckon there's probably what? centre-back full-back centre-back. we'll need a new left-back obviously assuming yeah, Curry goes yeah. Right back, you've got the two that, are, assuming they're still both on contracts, they're all they're they're okay, pretty good for League Two level. Centre forward, I think we need another one. Assuming definitely. we keep Boogle, we'll have Boogle, Kelly, and Davison. Davison, we'll need one. some definitely. I still hark back to that Ardley promotion, the playoff side that had the big four. Yeah, I mean, that I mean, but that's all you, all the time. Four strikers, especially now you've got five subs. Four strikers. Four really good. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Strikers, just swap them after, after an hour or so. I mean, hardly got, got that really right. I don't know how early your Wimbledon supported them, if you like, Riffy Geezer is. But when we got promoted, we had four good strikers and it was literally like horses for courses. Like, right, Akin Femme, you're tired. Aziz, go and absolutely go mental. And then it'll be like, right, okay, um, the horrible pitch, we're going to play it along, right, you off. And it was basically Taylor with with Elliot and then Akin Femme would kind of come in for, it was almost like Aziz for Taylor, it was Elliot for Akin Femme. Um, I guess the other challenge is, well, it's just a keeper. I think if, I think if we... If the players that go out, we we have the money. And bearing in mind, Bass will probably be on a decent wedge from Sunderland. I think we'll be playing a decent amount for that. So if you think you can replace a keeper, we'll need a left-back and we'll need a backup full-back because if Brown goes, mind you, Johnson's played there a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, is that is that are you agreeing with that, refugees are the kind of players that we're... That, is that what we're looking for? And which end of the spectrum are you kind of putting your your eggs in the sort of a couple more experienced guys who are probably going to cost a bit more money or are you going to go lower down and a bit hungry? So, do you know what? I think when it comes to striker, um, yeah, we've got Kelly. But if we were to get rid of Davison, which personally I hope we do, no offence, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I would 
I'll look to get an experienced um, striker. You you can switch between Kelly and that experienced striker. I think that will add experience for Kelly because he's he's young and he's coming from non-league. And if mm-hmm. you get a professional striker who's who knows the game well, it will really help help Kelly as well and get get Kelly to his top like as top as he can be. And I think they'll really bounce off each other if you get to. I think that's really important to get that backup striker who can help Kelly out. Um, and when it comes to further backline, I don't mind getting young players. Um, we've got Joe Lewis. He's quite commanding. He knows he knows what he's doing. I'm quite, Every time I see Joe Lewis, I'm comfortable. It's like seeing like, the most experienced player I've ever seen in my life when I watch him. And I think we're fine in that area. Um, maybe we can do with one more experienced centre-back if we were to get rid of all those players who can just add that extra commandingness. But I would say at least get one experienced um, player, one experienced player like Reeves to help us out. Um, and I feel like the rest we could just fill out with young players who are hungry. And goalkeeper, hopefully we do get Bass. It will cost a lot. But he, yes, he makes some mistakes with saves. Um, but all in all, it's not like you're going to get much better in these leagues. Absolutely fair enough. As you've heard, guys, we've got a mixed camp on JJ. Um, when we come back, we are going to talk to the Refugee Geezer about his um, social media work. Owen has politely passed this one on <laughs> and said, no, well, let's just hear from the younger chap. But I'm interested to hear his perspective from a dad's perspective um, and from somebody who's in definitely my generation. So when we come back, we're going to hear about Refugee Geezer, his quest for digital dominance, if you like, and we'll hear more about social media and social media within the club and within football. So um, put the kettle on and we'll see you shortly. The Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. And we're back. Welcome back, everybody. Um, Really, really excited to talk to Refugeezer about his work. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let him do it. Refugeezer, talk to us about your channel. Talk to us about why you do it. Come on, hit me with it. Well, if you don't know, I run the Real Dons TV on TikTok. And in one word, if I could describe it, it's chaotic. You, you'll have the Drunk Away fans. You'll have our fans talking their opinions. And I always say to people, you can be as honest and you can say anything you want. So what, what are you trying to achieve from it? I mean, is it a publicity for the club? Is it, to be blunt, something that you're thinking of getting in the industry and you're trying to get, like, you enjoy it? What, what is it? What is the channel trying to achieve? So it's a bit, it's a mix of everything, to be honest. Um, I want to, I, initially it's my first season of season ticket. Well, this is this, this year, first year. Yeah. First oh, wow. Season ticket. And have you always been a Wimbledon fan or has this been like, you know what, I'm picking the team. It's you lot. <laughs> nah. So I've actually been a woman in the for the past few years. But okay. Before that, I was supporting the Prem team. But um, Which one? Come on, hit us with it. <laughs> it was Arsenal. Okay, that's all right. You can support your like. Um, Delete. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me that wasn't your, your that wasn't your inspiration, was Arsenal fans Delete. TV. Yeah. <laughs> with Claude. He's got some time to go. Yeah, believe it or not, I was actually... Uh, I was really against Arsenal fan TV myself. <laughs> uh, okay, so why 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 have you got this now then? Why have you got this platform? But so, okay, basically, um, back back in my, back in the day, my brother used to be very big in the football world. He was a scout. Okay. He used to get a lot of EFL tickets, and even my mates, they were all EFL fans. 
teams and I'll go to a yeah. lot of these EFL games and in my heart I preferred it so much more so much more to the fact I literally stopped watching the Premier League like I'll just look at what Arsenal are doing I wouldn't actually like watch games and go out my way um, and one of these teams was Wimbledon I'll always follow Wimbledon no matter what I would always look at the score it's because when I was younger I saw in Premier League I used to watch Premier League years a lot and I saw this team called okay. yeah and I used to just research different teams um, that were in Premier League and what happened to them and what they are now. When I researched Wimbledon, I was like, this is so interesting. They had yeah, it, is, yeah. um, it got stolen and they, and the fans built up a whole new team and brought it back to the main leagues. Like, that is amazing. And I, from that concept, I just fell in love with it. Um, but I never really had someone to go Wimbledon games with. So okay. I was a bit afraid to just go alone and step into a new world. Um, but recently... I've had friends and my brother um, who, when I presented the idea of just doing filming stuff to document um, how it's going to go, like, I just wanted to do it for fun for myself, see what I can do. Okay. Um, they they agreed to getting a season ticket and with me, so I was more confident to go into a game. So. Well, I started was Wrexham at home. And, Wrexham at home? Yeah, yeah. And what yeah, one? And then, yeah, it was it was just stepping into a new world, and from then on, I fell in love with the team instantly. And how much work is it to do? Like, is it? I mean, we do the pod, obviously, and we're we're part of social media and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. Um, you've seen from us here. It's you know, we're on a Zoom chat and we're just chatting for an hour, and then basically Lee will cut it up and basically go there. You are. <laughs> obviously, there's the social media aspect of um, him and uh, Joe who do all the graphics and stuff. So. It, it's sort of organically grown. But how much work, I mean, how long does it take using the Wrexham game, right? How long does it take to get all your content, edit it, strip it, put all your all your infographics or whatever, and then post it? How long does that process take? Uh, my whole day. Uh, in all honesty, uh, my, my content has developed a lot to a point where it needs more editing than it normally does. Okay. And I'm currently a one-man army, so I just edit everything myself do everything myself i just have a smartphone for me so everything after is myself and that's why i upload things a day later or two days after because i have to work around the schedule and yeah especially the longest ones are game blogs nowadays uh, but if any go see reviews and then the interviews are easy to edit. But, so the so on a match day you're basically doing a pre-match bit of fun about whatever the places you're at yeah. you're in the game and you're kind of talking i saw the um what was the penalty? Was it Bradford? Bradford, when it was ridiculous, the boogie one, you literally recorded when, what the hell was going on. Um, yeah. And then after the game, the interviews. I mean, it's quite a comprehensive thing. I mean, what's your... Are you hoping that... I mean, are you hoping that it, it will get you a career in sport? Are you just... Because you're basically going home and away, right? Yeah, I've gone to pretty much every game. apart from Jeez! Three away days. <laughs> God, that's, that is... Big from basically nothing to like everything. What's the what's that? So, okay, are you going to see this through? Are you going to see a whole year and just see what happens? Or are you like, no, no, this is me and I'm doing it. I mean, this is me and I'm doing it. I I've never felt so welcome somewhere, and I feel so close to a club. There's so many fans who just made like Wimbledon fans who made me feel, feel so welcome. They come yeah. to me. They they always um, going. I like your stuff. Um, they always want to get involved themselves. And it's great, and I've never felt so welcomed. Um, like great people like Dan Evans, uh, 
Archie, Karen, just a lot of the ultras. Um, the ultras. The <laughs> well, Damn it! I missed. I missed it. I mean, we missed it. We missed our chance. <laughs> we could have been ultras, but we're just twats now, aren't we? It's just. Well, so you speak to so yourself, Dan. I'm not. Oh, okay, I am. You're not. I'm, I had my calling and I missed it. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, they helped me like grow love to a club. I, like I said, from the Wrexham game, I fell in love with a fully. I completely forgot about everything else. I just focused on Wimbledon League 2. Um, other EFL um, leagues, they're just fun to follow. Um, but Wimbledon is my main club. Um, I've literally got stickers on my wardrobe. <laughs> oh, to I love this. <laughs> but, do, you find, um, do you find you get more involved in the game doing it? Yeah, I was going to ask that. Are you, do you watch the game more intently or is it a bit of a, do you kind of have to drift in and out working out what you've done? Oh, no. I, so sometimes I just get involved with trying. I, I kind of forget about the filming. That's why when I film, you're not hearing the atmosphere really. Because I'm just I'm there chanting, <laughs> and um, it, on the mic it really doesn't pick up well the chanting. So it's not it's not really something I can record. But when it's loud, yeah, it's something I can record. Um, but it, it's a it's a mix. Like sometimes I'm just too on some away days they get too rowdy. Yeah, yeah, they're bad too much for me to fully take in what's happening. Um, and Owen, I'm interested in your perspective. Where are you at with football? And social media obviously can be well really toxic. I mean, even using us as an example, the amount of and I, th- I think it's tongue in cheek. But some of the you know, I put an I put information the other day about MK, and I was like, Do you know what? Maybe we should just you know get over it and start sorting our life out, and just not making the game into this thing and just play it as a normal game of football they don't really care about us and I, I kind of just put my opinion about and I think we always uh, again whether you listen to our stuff or not I don't know but I always try and be honest and just 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 be a human being talking the idea of our whole concept is we're in a we're in a we're in a pub we're in a chat with women and after a game or we're chatting about stuff but where do you sit Owen with football and social media is it does it need to be tighter regulated is it is there room for lots of different things or is there too much? Where do you sit? I think there's room for an awful lot. And the problems the problems generally come because people think they're in a, having a chat in a pub, but they're actually shouting at each other and it's all getting abusive and you can't elaborate on your point as easily as you can in, as we're doing now. It's just, oh, quick, bang, 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 send, post. And it's it's very it's very easy to get misinterpreted and, and misconstrued what you're actually saying, and then you do get a lot of piling on. I mean, do you get a lot of grief, refugees, on your channel for bits and pieces? Well, um, it, it, I think I saw a post actually. Some little snippets came up on a black screen, maybe if I'm right. <laughs> Sorry, did you get one of your? Um, did you get a bit of grief from a certain team somewhere? Oh yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're always giving it. Do you know what? It's funny because sometimes I have some messaging me saying, do you know what, I, I support this team. You know, I'm not going to mention them, but I really like your content. And okay. it's funny because there's this guy, he's always giving it. He's always, always giving it. And, um, in all honesty, I looked at his profile picture. And, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Look at the profile <laughs> picture and there you but go. It, it's one of those things where you're, I was bound to get hate. I was very bound to get hate. Um, whether it was them. Or it's just me with looking ridiculous. But is that is that right though? I mean, you're. I'm not saying. And again, 
I, I'm only speaking. I can't believe I'm going to say this, Owen. So slap me next time you see me. As content makers, refugees, as content makers, as as we are now, believe it or not, Owen. Um, is it right? Should we expect to receive some grief? Is that is that where we should be, or is that we is that just you know this is what you do and that that's what you should expect? Or what I'm trying to get at, it, it, for me, it just seems weird that I'm doing some content. I'm talking about my favourite club. I should expect grief. Just seems a bit odd. At the end of the day, you're putting something out there to millions. Well, I say millions, but like potentially yeah, millions. No, 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 millions. Absolutely I millions. Go, I get millions of people. I've got the whole of the Congo talking about waves swimming at the minute. <laughs> I've got, I'm doing, do, I'm doing a nightclub opening in Kinshasa. <laughs> We're doing all sorts. <laughs> no, but um, thousands of people. There will always be bound to be one person who doesn't, whether it's one person or couple. And I feel like it's something everyone should expect. At the end of the day, you could, it's social media. You could do the most nice thing in the world for someone, but there'll be someone who's against it going, yeah, oh, soft, blah, 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 blah. But it's just social media. At the end of the day. Like, I mean, it doesn't really affect me because I don't really know the people. Yeah, yeah. I actually knew him. I'll be like, okay, that's it. I mean, do you think, it, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'll speak to you. I'm, I'm obviously a dad of, of a two-year-old, so social media isn't quite what we're talking about. But I know you're, you're two lovely ones. Is there enough education, do you think, around engagement, obviously, of, let's be honest, a lot of the a- a- aggression and, and the racism and the misappropriation and the whatever else you want to talk about, a lot of that comes from sporting activities or... As you said, the game's over. Oh, fuck off, Arsenal. Done. Or whatever you might want to talk about. Is there enough either education or regulation with things like what we do? Should there be someone who goes, okay, you want to do content, they're going to go on TikTok, great. We're going to we're gonna regulate it tighter. Or is it, like you said, like the refugees have said, we just, no, no, you just this is what you do and you try and do it in the best way. Are we doing enough to make our platforms better? I think you almost have to accept it. As Refugee said, you have to accept it comes with the territory and you have to have that common sense to just ignore, walk away. I think it's very hard for the, for the, the, the youths to be educated, especially in a school environment because people of our generation, Danny, what? they're not, they're not, <laughs> they're not keeping up. They were, the kids know more than we do. And I never thought I'd say that. No, I know. It just they're more switched on than people. People of refugees' generation, they're more switched on than we are, and we we we're not going to be able to safeguard them. I mean, I absolutely love the volume of content. Like I went, I I drove up. um, I drive to probably five. What I'm trying to do at the moment, refugees, I'm trying to do all 92 grounds, right? So I'm trying to do all 92 grounds, ideally with Wimbledon. I've done about 69, 70. But now I've got the fucking terrible ones. So I've got Barrow, Carlisle, Fleetwood. I've done everything local. The only ground I know that's anywhere near here, I live in, I live, I don't know, 20 or five minute drive from the ground tops. The only one I know that's any relatively near is Reading. I've not been to. Everywhere else, I've kind of, all the London ones, cheers. I've done anything a bit higher, all the Midlands, I've done all that. So I'm now it's like, nuclear so on the way to the games i normally have my phone i put it in the holder and i'm going with my mate dan and we'll just go through tiktok and there's stuff like um 
football tenable and stuff like this with the Scottish guys and they just chat. I, I just I feel like there's so much great content. I I really enjoy it. And I think it's just it's a really I I guess the question I'm not in I guess is the comment is it's quite a saturated market already. Yet you've found a way in through Wimbledon that people seem to really enjoy. And I know it's a bit personalised and probably a bit nuanced, if you like. Look at me using these long words. Um, nuanced towards Wimbledon. But at the same time, you're talking about guys who listen to your content from other clubs, which is pretty awesome, really. I, I don't get anyone coming to me and go, well, by the way, I'm a massive Aston Villa fan. I love your work. They all go, no, I'm not doing it. But you've managed to do that. It's sort of, um, it's quite a wicked place, isn't it, I guess? I mean, I, I like, I, I'm really grateful and I'm really blessed to have this type of platform. And I'm honestly, I couldn't be more grateful for the people from other clubs coming up to me as well. And but I always just think I couldn't have done it without the actual women fans who come up. To me. And I'll always be forever appreciative of them. Um, and I know you mentioned Arsenal earlier. I'm just gonna confirm that. I, Listen, get it. it it's it's all it's almost like a therapy. <laughs> just I'm just let it go. I'm a full-on Wimbledon fan. AFC Wimbledon is my team. I, I would even I would even get tattooed if I could. <laughs> I mean, that I is bold, isn't it? Next to your Thierry Henry one, yeah. <laughs> nah. Listen, you are you are very welcome. There are many, many, many fans. Just so you're clear, I mean, I'm a school teacher. Wouldn't believe it. I've got three or four lads who come to school. But basically, I'm a Chelsea fan. But this is near my house. And I come and I have a really, really good time. And it's kind of almost one of our big battlegrounds from a marketing perspective and from a club perspective that if you take away, if you actually get how many people are in the ground, I mean, let's be honest, the attendances are, it's very, very ropey to say the least. It's on tickets sold, not who's in the ground. So when it's an 8,000 ground, you know, when we look around often, it's like there's no way 8,000 people in there. But if you take away, excuse me, if you take away those who actually support Wimbledon are Wimbledon supporters in five years time that number comes down so it's definitely a market that we've got and like i said fans come similar to your background come to watch a game i've got a mate at work who moved in the area and basically was like i'm going to come watch a game i was like okay i came and he watched the game and now he comes and he's now i wouldn't say he's an active fan but he, he'll check the results and all of a sudden they're checking the results then it turns into my boy he'll have a kid and the kid will want to be a woman and fan and all of a sudden it, it snowballs it's amazing how how quick, but you, you're very, very welcome, right? Anytime. And like I said, I'm really pleased that, you know, we, we have created as a club an identity that means that young men like yourself can come and feel part of it and almost share our pride in our story. But also, fr frankly, as well, and I talk a lot about this, the story's been brilliant and it's a great story, but, you know, where are we going to now? Where are we heading to? Um, I'm really, really pleased that you feel so welcome. So well done, mate. Um, when we come back, we're going to finally talk about why are we so terrible away? Why are we so great at home? And our expectations for two home games against Morecambe and I don't know what Derby will call it. We'll just say Crawley. See you shortly. The Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. Okay, chaps. Um, thank you very much for listening and putting up with us so far. We're just about to wrap it up. But before we do, I think it's important we do talk about Morecambe and Crawley, two very, very big home games. Owen, why? 
have we? We were at the start of the season a great away team. Wimbledon was quite a desperate place to be. All of a sudden, it's gone totally the other way. At home, we can't stop winning. Away, we can't stop being not so good, shall we say. What What's happened to us, do you think? Uh, I think we've got a bit of belief. At home? We've, we've stopped fearing being at home and playing at home. And that nervousness, if you remember back six six months or so, start of the season, whenever we had a lead, we were nervous. Yeah, And that's the players and the crowd. But now when we get a lead, we we stick hold of a lead. Um, I think I saw Arash posted something on X, Twitter, X, whatever we want to he's call an it absolute, now. He's brilliant, isn't he, his stuff? That we, we, we haven't, when we've taken the lead, we haven't lost the lead. Or we haven't lost points once we've taken the lead for the last three or four months. Which, I mean, if you turn back the clocks to where we were at the start of the season, we'd almost give up a lead as soon as we got it. And I it mean, if you, think, if you think the last five games at home in the league, won four, lost one, we lost to Sutton, but we smashed Tranmere, Notts County. We've gone quite nuclear on that. Whereas away from home, um, not so good. We haven't won in our last five. We've lost three, drawn two. So we've kind of gone full-scale switch. What, what, what do you put it down to, refugees? You've been watching most of it. What do you see at home that you're not seeing away or vice versa? I think it's just playing with confidence. And one thing I noticed, we play more on the ground at home than we do away, which is really, really weird at my opinion. But um, Why do we do that? that like, literally, that is, for me, before we even started this conversation, I was like, at home, we seem to get the ball down and play. And away, we kind of punt it long and never get the ball. Or we just kind of want to chase over the top. Is it as simple as the pitches? Because our pitches, I think it's excellent. Bradford's example was absolutely pathetic. Like, is it is it as simple as that? Or is there just more to it? Or is it a case of, do you know what? When we're at home, we'll get the ball down, we'll play it because the teams aren't necessarily on the front foot. Whereas when we're away, teams come at us so we want to be a bit more conservative. I mean, what do you put it down to? I put it, do you know what? I, we can't just put the blame on the pitches, to be honest. I, I put it down to... Um, the tactics. I feel like with Johnny Jackson, like we mentioned earlier, he's scared to take risks. I feel like he prefers to go more defensive in away days than we do at home days. But okay. really, really, I don't think it matters that much for us. Of course it matters, but for us, I feel like we're good enough just to put... We're away. We're good enough to be play confidently, put the ball on the floor, and show these other teams that how we play at home is exactly how we play away. And Unfortunately, I'm not seeing enough of that. And I, I mean, do you do you feel like? I mean, to be blunt, in the last five five games that we've had away, Ali Alhamidi played against Forest Green. Um, Ali Alhamidi, did he play against Wrexham? I'm tempted to say, oh, no, he didn't. No. No, so literally, since since, so if you think that the last five games away was from Forest Green, Wrexham. Just 2-0. MK, 3-1. The draw, 0-0. We have literally, in the last five away games, probably scored two out of, which is the one against Forest Green and then the one against our, our friends slash complete gits miles away. Um, <laughs> is that, it, it maybe, it, it's a weird one because I just felt like when we have, like Ali was the perfect away game player. Like when we played Crawley away, as an example. He's just, 
that that guy who just puts pressure on it, regardless of the conditions, I feel that's where we we miss, we lose the most is those sort of safe games, simple games, keeping it tight, no real, nothing's really going on. Um, that's a mentality that, thing, though, isn't it? If we're not doing that away, that's a mentality and a tactic. But I feel if like... If we're not being aggressive without the ball, which is what you're saying. But what's interesting is our away form, literally, from the minute we've lost Ali, has gone down the, down the pan. Like we've scored once in... One, one in one game in four away from home we've managed to score and we have let's be blunt Bradford did we really look like scoring not convinced Accrington did we really look like scoring not really um, did we really look like scoring against Wrexham well the first half yes we did but Davison just uh, uh, like I said the Wrexham game hurts because I felt that that was the game that we could have really put someone to the sword and we just Sasu hit the post in the first half and we were in it, but Davison just, again, fluffed his lines in front of goal. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel that, for me, it's just at home, I feel like we've got the confidence to play the ball. I feel like we, again, have the opportunity to be better. It is just interesting, isn't it, how teams can just ebb and flow home and away. But, anyway, I digress. We're now going into two games against Morecambe and Crawley, who are kind of... It's so difficult to say in mid-table, but because they're only, what, three or four points behind us. Um, what I think moving into the into the second half or not in the second half into the last embers of the season if you like what I've tried to look at is work out how many points we're going to need how many points we're going to need to get into the playoffs we're on 31 games 46 points over the last 10 years on average you need 73 points roughly give or take a decimal point if you like if you, want, if you want to fight me over a decimal point, you're absolutely welcome. You know where I am, chaps. Bring it on. Um, so if we're on 46, we're 73, we need 27 points in 15, which equates to, obviously, every two games we need four points. We need a win and a draw. Or So with that in mind, two home games, How? what are you looking for, Refugee Geezer, in the next two home games that's going to... Not necessarily, and again, it's not panic stations, far from it, but what what do we need to achieve against Morecambe and against Crawley for you to feel confident and continue for us to move up the leagues? Um, well, for me, I think what we need um, is just, because I, I could imagine Justin confidence is lower than ever right now. We are, it feels like every week we are because we kind of win against Barrow, so we're absolutely flying. And I feel like it's kind of deja vu. Like, we always have a really great win, and like, oh, this is awesome. And then we just go, God, that was crap. And then, like, oh my God, we're brilliant again. Oh no, mate. And like, it must be a really, I don't see it as a as a confidence in terms of at the bottom of the floor, but it must be like, oh, mate, this is deja vu again. Like, why can't we sort this out? But with us being at home, how, what, what's going to, what do we need to do this weekend? Well, what we need to do essentially is just play it on the floor, because when we play it on the floor, we can actually do something. Like I've been saying the whole podcast, we have to play it on the floor. If we go in like how we did against Paris, hoof the ball up into who knows, whoever whoever's on top and can't win the ball or get the head of it, we're gonna have Barmer in the long throw, doing another long throw where we can't win the ball. If we go with them same mentality, then we are gonna lose. Yes, 
we got battered 4-1 by Morecambe last time um, at, on the away day. But we're at home and Morecambe are a lot worse now. So this is a good moment to get, get just get a win um, above them. I don't want it to be another Accrington where we go in, we're half-hearted with our balls, um, we can't, we can't play on the floor, and then, and then we do the same tactic with Farmer. We 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 really can't do that long for it. As much as I love it, we can't do it. Well, just mix it up, Owen, isn't it? Like just. We don't have to. The thing for me is, I don't have a problem if it's near the corner flag, then it's kind of a corner. So I, I kind of get it. But it's almost like any kind of throw in, either side of the pitch, in their half, we're kind of doing a long throw that it's almost like rugby where you just play kick for territory. Like we're kind of throwing it to, to try and win a second ball, which we don't often do. Um, what do you think? No, I, I think you're right. I think we're underplaying our talents uh, by just concentrating on that long throw. I think we need to mix it up a lot more and and work with the wingers to, to come short and, and get the ball and then drive and attack that way every 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 so often, just to get them guessing. And what are you doing regarding Saturday? Are you... It's going to be really, really tricky coming up because we're playing literally Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for quite a long period. We've done it this Saturday and Tuesday. We've got this Saturday and Tuesday. It's abundantly clear for me that Curtis came off the bench because I don't think you can do two games in a week. Obviously, the more of these back-to-backers come in, the more chances that other people go crock, etc. What Are you shuffling the pack in or are you... Where are you at? Because Morecambe have won the last three away. They beat an MK, they beat Tranmere last up when they beat Crawley in between. So they, they're, they're a very, very quick counter-attacking team. I was on the I was on the Morecambe pod this week, obviously, doing my scouting mission. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so apparently they're a very, very quick young team that looks to play counter-attacking football, which seems to be music to both of our ears because we're happy to kind of have the ball for periods and we're, we're looking to keep possession. But it will be interesting to see how we react particularly with that in mind are, are you I mean let's talk about the right back are you going to go back to Billa this week or where are you at with the team I would certainly be playing Billa for one of the two games this week I think we need to we need to have that extra energy going into the team because I don't think Jackson will change much you're right he'll probably change Curtis because Curtis can't play two games in a row because Curtis was on the bench against Accrington. Yeah. So he was on the bench at Accrington. So do you think so he'll, he'll come, back, come in? back in? I okay. think so. Um, the only good thing about all these games coming up is we've got six of the next eight are at home. So that's that should play into our hands. And it means no, no stupid away trips or fewer stupid away trips. And we know that we're good at home. Touch wood. Yeah. So you're, um, you're basically staying for, the, for the, the Saturday game. You're basically Ogs for... Ogs for out, Biller in, Curtis in, Gordon out, or are you resting up Tilly? Uh, I didn't see Gordon at Accrington, so I'm willing to to go either way on that. Okay. I would probably rotate three of them in the okay. next two games with, as well. With Nerfil potentially back for the week after, maybe. But what are you doing, Refugeeza? Uh, the thing is, Gordon, right? I, I feel like when he came off, um, at Accrington, we looked less of an attacking threat. I think he just adds a bit more up there, more creativity than when, say, if someone like Curtis came on. 
personally, I personally did start because I think uh, even though he didn't show much, his positioning, his final, um, final first movement, I think is something he can You've got a bit quiet, Refugida. You've got a bit quiet. Sorry. You're back. Go on. Oh, we lost you a little bit there. Go on, carry on. Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> Where'd you help to? I, I, to be honest with you, you've got such a beautiful voice. I kind of drifted into Morose there. Um, <laughs> so you were mentioning about who you wanted to play, basically. So just okay. whatever you just said, just, just we're not going to cut this. This is this is part of, this is, you know, we, we are live on live Big Brother. T- live TV. <laughs> don't, say fuck, don't, don't say fuck or bugger, basically. So uh, carry on. So you yeah, go on, hit us with it. Yeah. So basically, I think Gordon he does a lot more than what people think he does. I think yep. his positioning and final play, final third play movement, he adds a bit more to what the others add. Um, on that left, I would start Tilly personally. Yeah. Um, and then Kelly up top, Bugil just in behind. So you're playing exactly the same team. But are you playing Billa instead of Oggs or are you playing Oggs instead of Billa? Billa. You're okay. playing Billa. So you're going to play Billa. Brown, does Brown stay in or are you and um, Brown and Barmer or are you, uh, is Pierce coming back in or Kalambai? I'll put, personally, I'll put Kalambai in with Barmer, see how that goes. For me, okay. I think Brown is just getting carried by Barmer. I, I personally think Barmer's making Brown look way okay. Owen, where are you at? Are you. Are you are you keeping Barmer and Brown, or is it a case of thank you very much? Now, Kalambai and Pierce have got we bought. I mean, maybe the if, fact that we bought another week, maybe of of keeping them fit, but I don't know. What do you What do you think? Assuming that Lewis is uh, nowhere near coming back, no, Lewis is nowhere near. Neither's the John. fact. The fact that your scouting report tells me that Morecambe are quick, I think that rules Pierce straight out. Yeah, and probably so, Brown. <laughs> so you're down to either Brown or Kalambai. Uh I've no real strong opinions either way on, on those two as a centre back. But yeah, but okay. Barmer, Barmer seems to have worked well with Brown. He may work quite well with Kalambai. We may find out. Okay, and but in terms of Pierce is a no no. No, and again, I guess it's difficult to know without. I do think that we need to do some rotation between the two games. I think that for me would be clear. Even to the point, I can't really believe I'm saying it, even to the point of Kelly and Davison, because I don't know. I think for me at the moment, for where who's playing on the team, there are probably three players, I'm excluding the keeper, that have to play, which is little. He's got to play. Bugil, for me, has got to play and Curry. They're the three. I, I would put Biller in that, but we obviously haven't played him and Nogs has done okay. So I feel that if you don't if you don't play Boogiel, Little or Curry, I get um, I'd be a bit like, oh what? Like why? Why are they not playing? With the current squad at the minute, because obviously we've got no Lewis, got no Johnson, got no Reeves. So I feel that like they are the three that we really need to play. The rest I'm quite happy with with rotating it. What what are our expectations then, Owen? Let's go with you. We've got two games. How many points? How many points would be enough for you to feel like that was a good couple of games worth? Do we need to win both? Is it be unbeaten? What do you think? I think four points out of those two games okay. is what we should be aiming for. Right, Refugiza. What do you think? Six points if you want playoffs. God, go on, the lads. Straight in. That's 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 the content right there. 
we, I'll we, take six points if if Kelly's scoring. Okay. I, I, I think there will be a, a, a close game where we don't convert our chances. No, I'm personally saying we need six points. If we do oh, we need six points. points. If we do not get six points, oh, man. Running, coming on my channel. <laughs> hey, listen, you, if we don't get six points, you wait for the content. Oh, this, boy will be on, this will be flames. But I feel, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's that the delicate balancing act of working out if we're not particularly good away from home, the next six six out of eight are at home, the six home games, you, you'd think we need to punch quite hard. And the fact of we every every two games to be in the playoffs, you need, and again, it's always difficult because there's loads of teams, they all kind of scrap so you can bring the number down. But the reality of it is Morecambe and Crawley are two teams that if we've got aspirations to to be in the playoffs, then they're teams that we definitely can't lose to. And I'm with you, Owen. I feel like really one team could turn up, put 11 behind the ball, make life very, very difficult. Nick a crap goal. We could have an off day, bloody, bloody, blah, blah. But I feel like we definitely can't afford to give up any more ground against those two. Because obviously the, everyone at the moment from 18 almost, or even 16 up, are promotion potential with you know no more than four or five points away from us so there's I a lot like, of people that are in the mix yeah if you look at the league table there's a lot of people that are thinking similar to we are oh we go on a good run we're, we're in the playoffs but you can't but even with Crawley and Morecambe with all respect to them I just don't of the teams that are going to nick our playoff place I don't see it being Crawley and Morecambe I just don't see Crawley and Morecambe being the teams that are going to are going to nick our place Notts County Gillingham, I can kind of see it to a certain extent. I just, I don't see Crawley or Morecambe being the teams that are going to nick our place. But I mean, what do you think, Refugee? Do you think, am, am I wrong there? Is it a case of anyone could or is there realistically in that group of, I don't know, eight to ten teams? I mean, Notts County, right? They're currently in seventh. I don't think we should be looking much higher than that last place. I think, you know, I feel that Unfortunately, the team that we played and lost away were very, very good. I think Notts County, Gillingham, us, Accrington, maybe, Bradford, at a push. I mean, I just don't see Crawley and Morecambe being in that conversation. What, you're talking about Bradford being in playoffs? Well, I mean, they're, we're in a, Bradford have got their, I just feel that Cook. They're three points behind us. Yeah. So if we're saying we are, they probably think <laughs> they are. And again, and again, like I said, if we if we if we lose on Saturday and they win, Cook Cook's firing. They they had a really good result against someone quite decent, I think, on the weekend. On Harrogate are in the mix as well, Danny, aren't they? And they got absolutely battered by um, was it Mansfield? But again, uh, yeah, but again, though, I just I just don't see. Let's have a look. See, Bradford beat MK four nil, right? Now MK for me, despite the fact of how frustrating it's going to be saying it were probably one of the better teams I saw this year. I thought they were absolutely brilliant against us. I hate it, but they were. So you can we can be biased or we can just go, no, they were great. Um and now they they've got they've got Cook scoring, who is in my opinion one of the better League Two strikers. I feel like they're a team that there's always a team that comes on an absolute rampage. When we got promoted it was us. So I feel like there's probably a four or five horse race and we are at the moment, in my opinion, us and Notts County are the two who are probably the ones who everyone's looking at going, but hold on a minute. Gillingham have bought well, so you've got to include them in that mix. But I just I just don't see Crawley and Morecambe being in that. So with that, 
I feel like this is, these two games are the ones that we really should bend the back because the Saturday after Doncaster away, who have been shocking. But again, like I said, our way forms poor. So you're saying I'm in four points. Refugees, you're saying six? Well, I'll, I want six points. But realistically, I think we're going to get four points, like Owen said. But um, I I want six points. If we don't get six points these next two games, I'm going to have some serious questions over whether we are even good enough to play off at all. And to be honest, you mentioned all these teams, right? We've played them throughout the season. Every single time we've played them, right? Teams like Harrogate, teams like Gillian and Bradford, Acton, they didn't look that much different to us. They, if they, I'm honest, there aren't many good teams, are there? I mean, the yeah. top three are the top three. And after that, I mean, like I said, Barrow are certified playoffs. Mm-hmm. And next year, and this is why I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm excited. I'm always excited. I'm an excitable bloke. But from a Wimbledon perspective, the next 18 months, I just feel that we're in a, we are, Looking around the leagues, we're in a really good place in terms of the squad dynamic, the club dynamic, etc. Um, but you're right. I don't. I don't. I, I still feel like anyone on their day is going to be quite hard to beat. But us on our day, if everyone's got that, if everyone's on their day, I think we beat. I think we win. I think we beat a lot of the teams here. But it'll just be, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But right, well, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Um, I know it's been, I mean, what else could you be doing on a Thursday night? I mean, there's loads of stuff. Obviously, we were going to have it yesterday, but these two romantics were too busy, you know, gallivanting, as was I. I took my lovely wife for a, t- for a Thai meal. Isn't yeah. that lovely, eh? I mean, romance never dies. Owen, thank you very much. It was lovely Pleasure to have dining. you. I'm glad that, um, yeah, this was as, was not as painful as it could have been. And Refugeezer, please keep putting out amazing content. If you do see me and my dad, um, I'm the better looking one, so yeah. make sure you come put the microphone in my in my mouth. Um, but yeah. want to say a big thank you to the guys at uh, Season Master who do wonderful stuff with all of their sponsorship, uh, Talk Sport for their help, and obviously Lee pretending to be ill has given me this incredible birth. I'm thinking of the big presenters, the Trevor McDonalds, Esther Ransons. Maybe I should be included in that now. Maybe John Motson, Alan Hansen, all of the the bloke on Sky, maybe that's where I'm at now. This is the, these are the halcyon days that you're going to get. But let's be honest, next week we're probably going to get that silly little fat bloke on. Um, and I hope he gets better. But from me and the guests, go on, you dance. on. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.